0: We'll Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer to learn more about why abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by premier boat builders visit abyssbattery.com the john
1: freaking Meerpod is stoked to partner with garage grown gear for season six of the podcast Garage Grown Gear, or GGG for short, is your online store for all things
0: ultralight backpacking. Dedicated to supporting the growth of small and cottage brands, they've got everything you need all in one place. From ultralight accessories to dehydrated meals to
1: your big three, Garage Grown Gear has everything you need to lighten your load. Based out of St. Paul, Minnesota, GGG is known for its commitment to providing quality ultralight gear Stellar customer service and free shipping and returns over $40. Do yourself a favor and get your gear at GGG. We are apes. We should be climbing. Alex Honnold.
0: Sometimes it gets really hard to get out of it. Um I think one thing we don't necessarily realize or want to accept is that rest is like really important. <laughs> like it's through rest that you get stronger. And when I was younger, like as I get older now, I kind of realize that yeah, rest is important. That's when like you get stronger and it's but when I was younger, I was crazy. Like I would train 24 7 like i was on a full like i don't even know where all that energy came from i'd get up at like 5 a.m like go for a training session in the morning before school then go to school all day and then in the evening go do my other training sesh and i would do that practically like every day and now i'm like nah, wake up chill i mean i don't have school anymore but i would never do that ever again
1: <laughs> i'm doc and this is hiker trash radio Hey, is this thing on? Hello? Hit it again. I think it's on now. Welcome to Hiker Trash Radio, where each week, Doc will drag some colorful characters out of the woods to talk trail and type 2 fun. If you're aspiring hiker trash, or if you're just looking to understand the hiker trash in your life, look no further. So lace up those boots, gnaw on some jerky, and settle into your 20 mile pace as we fire up the podcast from somewhere deep in the backcountry. It's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirtbags, hiker trash, and of course, good smelling day hikers. I'm Doc, and this is Hiker Trash Radio. Hey, if you like what we're doing here, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't like it, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right. This week, we're going to venture off the main path and take a fascinating side trail. We're going to take a closer look at the world of competitive climbing, and we have a very special guest to help us explore that topic. It is my pleasure to welcome professional climber and member of the Swiss sports climbing team, Sophia Yokoyama. How's it going, Sophia?
0: Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Did I did I get the name right? We we didn't go over that pre-interview.
0: Uh, um, Sophia Yokoyama. I don't even really Yokoyama. Yeah. yeah.
1: Got it. Y O K O Y M A.
0: Yeah.
1: Got it. Okay. Hey, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before, Sophia?
0: Yeah, I listened to some of them um, before when I like you sent me the email. And so just like listen to here and there some of the things that you talked about.
1: Okay. So you know what you're getting yourself into?
0: Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. We have a segment towards the end of the episode called The Hiking Hack. And I'm going to amend that this week to be The Climbing Hack because of our our topic. But that is where you'll have a chance to share with our listeners a bit of climbing wisdom uh, to make their next climbing expedition even better. So don't be surprised when we get there.
0: I won't be. I can't wait.
1: (laughs) Okay. You have something in mind already?
0: Um, don't don't, yeah.
1: don't don't reveal it, but no, I just, won't. I'm just checking.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I looked some stuff up. Like I like I've seen yeah quite a few stuff, and I was like trying to remember them and wrote them down.
1: <laughs> All right, I like a guest who's prepared. That's fantastic.
0: <laughs> Trailblazers Toolkit.
1: That's right. It's time for the Trailblazers Toolkit, sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company Six Moon Designs. Sophia, I love to talk about gear on the podcast and I love to hear about the most important item in my guest adventure gear. So if you were preparing for your next adventure out there and I was the one providing you with your, with all your gear, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? Give me all the specifics on that piece of gear and tell me why you've got to have it out there. And this can be any kind of item. It could be gear, it could be apparel, it could be a luxury item of some sort. So Sophia, what is that item in your toolkit?
0: It's so hard to think of just one because <laughs> like usually if I travel around uh, for like comps, I usually like bring a couple of stuff um, with me that I find more or less important. We'll, we'll take
1: two. We can, we can hear about two.
0: Okay. Well, one that I like, which is just like a cute little thing is like the my blanket. I have like my travel blanket. <laughs> And just all every time with comps, I bring like that blanket down. And for some reason, maybe it's just like a mental thing, but I sleep better <laughs> when I have it with me. And especially for comps, if we're in different countries and traveling around, um, it definitely helps. Um, and now, otherwise, what's
1: special, what's special about that travel blanket? Does, does it have a special uh, pattern on it? Is it a special kind of fabric? Yes. What, what is it about that travel blanket?
0: Um, I received it quite young as a kid, so I've always kind of had it like with me and then it's also it's still soft. it's like so soft and nice and <laughs> and so just yeah, probably reminds me of home and um mo- mainly for those reasons. I'd say that's probably the most important, okay. but then otherwise, like I love taking pictures, so a, a good camera just to like memorize everything um is always nice also to have
1: wow i fully expected to hear some kind of insight on hiking gear some kind of uh, equipment uh a special type of (laughs) rope uh climbing shoes we didn't talk anything about climbing here we're talking about yeah
0: no no (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah if if we really go on to a list of proper things yeah like my climbing shoes are always in my bag whenever i travel um mainly the scarpa dragos that i love but um otherwise i mean if you have a good pair of walking shoes you can use them to climb too
1: <laughs> what is the difference uh, between walking shoes and climbing shoes
0: um so the climbing shoes are much smaller so you usually would like take a smaller size in climbing shoes so your feet are a lot more stable and don't move around a lot um the climbing shoe also is kind of like pointy at the tip so it's more precise um and also on the heel so then like if you do certain like movements like heel hooks the shoe like stays on your foot um if you go like try climbing with walking shoes which are really big fat chunky it's really hard to like be precise on the wall and like if you have a tiny foothold with a big shoe is not gonna work out
1: all right. We have stumbled across our first bit of, uh, rock climbing, uh, terminology,
0: hiking, yeah. ho-
1: uh, heel hook. What is a heel hook? Oh,
0: uh, so a heel hook is, um, in the word there's heel. And so you're using your heel to pull against a certain climbing hold or a certain hold on the wall, whether it's inside or outside. And it kind of, it, yeah, you're just technically using your heel instead of the tip of the toe um, to keep yourself balanced on the wall or to help with a certain movement um, and to get you just a bit higher up.
1: Okay, and I imagine with the the hooking motion, you're using that heel to maybe pull yourself a little closer to the wall or pull yourself up a little bit.
0: Yeah, exactly. So. I- yeah the heel hook is just really like you're hooking your heel against a certain hold which also maybe takes off pressure off your hands if you're like in a bad uncomfortable position and um also like if you're tired you can also just like heel hook and just yeah take some pressure off your hands and it gets you closer to the wall and higher up to help you proceed to get to the next hold. got it it's the harking pole
1: Right, it's time for the hiking poll, and that's poll spelled P-O-L-L, like a survey, not like the kind of thing you hold out there on the on the trails. I always point that out because I think I'm pretty clever for coming up with that, and my guest reaction is is pretty much the same as you right now, just a blank stare. So, (laughs) you know, I was looking at my questions for the hiking poll because they are Mm -hmm. all related to hiking, obviously, and I said, you know what, It, it might it might not apply to Sophia, so. I racked my brain and I came up with seven questions that have to do with climbing. So this week it's the climbing poll with Sophia. All right, you ready for this?
0: Yes, can't wait.
1: Okay. So these seven questions are going to help me give you a score on the sanity scale from one to a hundred, with one being completely insane and one hundred being completely sane.
0: I'd say it's quite insane.
1: <laughs> yeah. If depending
0: asked- on what yeah, depending on what you do in climbing, some things are just pff, mind-blowing.
1: <laughs> All right. If I were to ask your family and friends, hey, where, where does Sophia fall on the insanity scale? Would you be closer to one or closer to a hundred?
0: I'd say I'm quite sane when it comes to climbing. Like I of course there's these crazy moves um that you do in climbing, but it's always kind of like safe compared to what other people do that like we'll talk about after, but I'd say I'm closer to one than 100. I like safety.
1: (laughs) Well, one, if the lower the score, the more insane you are.
0: Oh, okay. Then other way around. I'm closer to a hundred then.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's the sanity scale. It's not the insanity scale.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. Then, um, Climbing can go be very close to one.
1: (laughs) So I'm going to ask these seven questions and it's not rapid fire. What I'd like to to hear, I'd like to hear your opinion, which side of the issue you fall on and a bit of an explanation that'll help me adjust my score accordingly. Perfect. All right. And there's no rhyme or reason to my scoring technique. It's just how I feel.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: All right. Sounds good. Nervous? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. First question. Easy one. I think I don't know. These are my first. This is my first attempt at the, the climbing pole. Uh, first question: chalk or no chalk?
0: Um, definitely chalk because if you have ever tried climbing before, you really notice how sweaty and greasy your hands can get. Um, so definitely like like when you use chalk, you realize the difference it makes compared to not using chalk, and so. Hundred percent chalk.
1: Yeah, you, it's very dangerous when you you're operating with sweaty hands. I, I use chalk in my everyday life to you know tie my tie, to clean the pool. I don't want to lose grip on that that uh, on that vacuum. So
0: yeah, of course. I mean, you can use it for everything, just like climbing up the stairs sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. I, I carry my chalk pouch everywhere with me,
0: <laughs> around the waist, just in case.
1: <laughs> just in case. All right. Question number two. Climbing or belaying?
0: Climbing. Of course. course. Who wants to be, yeah, who wants to be sitting in the harness looking up? Also, your neck starts to hurt so bad. I mean, now they've invented those like glasses that allows you to like look up without having to lift your neck up, but for sure, climbing.
1: That's called a periscope. Is it? Well, you know, I actually I mean,
0: don't know the real term for those buses, but
1: <laughs> me either. I'm just making that up. Yeah. <laughs> but Sophia, you know, in terms of the sanity scale, Belayer might be a little more sane than the climber. So, I mean, that, that could be a possible. Yeah, sure. yeah. Okay. I mean,
0: climbing is quite insane in general, so that already pushes it a bit, but who wants to belay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Question number three, Alex Honnold, or Tommy Caldwell?
0: They're both insane.
1: <laughs> they are.
0: But I think Alex Honnold. I, yeah, I really, I mean, they both have their films out. Um, but I really, 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 really enjoyed Free Solo. That was one, one of the things I was going to talk about after. <laughs> We
1: still still can, but for our our listeners out there who may not be too familiar with the climbing world, what, when I asked that question, Alex Honnold or Tommy Caldwell, what, what kinds of differences are going through your mind when you're, you're deciding between those two, who are they, what kind of climbing do they do? And what, what is your initial sense of the two of them?
0: Um, so they're both outdoor climbers, mainly, and, um, free soloists. And so, Free solo, if you've never heard of it, is insane. Um, you climb up a wall outside um, with no gear protection. I mean, like, no belaying. They have their climbing shoes, their climbing torque, but they're not being belayed. They have no parachute on their backs whatsoever. So if they end up falling outside, they fall to their death, unfortunately. Um But otherwise, the difference between the two, I wouldn't exactly know where to start, but um, they both have insane stories. But for some reason, yeah, I'm turning more over to Alex Honnold, just because I also follow him a lot more on social media and what he does, and um, he's got his family, and I mean, so does Tommy, but yeah.
1: Yeah, it, the two movies, if you want to do some more research, dear uh, listeners, you can watch Free Solo, as Sophia said, or also the Don Wall, which features Tommy mm-hmm.
0: Caldwell. Tommy yeah,
1: Caldwell Don- does make an appearance in, in Free Solo. In Free
0: Solo, too. Yep, yeah, he, he does. He
1: does. Tommy Caldwell's story is pretty crazy as well. You know, he also, was a, like
0: how he lost his
1: finger yeah, was, and everything. He, yeah, even when he, was, when he was younger, he went overseas. He went to Europe and did some climbing. I believe it was like in in Kazakhstan, maybe? And mm-hmm. there was conflict going on, and he and his hiking partners were taken hostage by armed forces, and they didn't know if they were going to if they were going to survive or what was going to happen to them. And they ended up he ended up pushing a guy uh, off the oh. off the cliff, off the wall, off the trail somewhere, and and they escaped and they they made it out. But what a, a harrowing mm-hmm. story! And like you said, he also lost a piece of his finger and had to relearn how to climb.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: lot of really interesting material with both those guys
0: yeah i totally forgot about that first part about tommy i was like yeah yeah no that's crazy
1: does that change your answer oh no (laughs) (laughs) all right question number four bouldering or speed climbing
0: bouldering (laughs) really yeah that's my main discipline Um, so I can only love bordering, but, and also speed climbing, it's this huge discussion that we have in the climbing world. It's not like, I wouldn't say it's like climbing, climbing, you know, it's just always the same wall, always the same holds. And you're just trying to get a faster time. Although bordering, what I really enjoy is how it's like different every time, especially in comps. As much as outdoors, it's you find a huge variety of boulders outside, different styles, um, and inside too, like comps. It's, you never know what you're going to expect. So just that variety is also what makes it so much more fun and enjoyable and not knowing what to expect. So that also pushes me more to the insane side.
1: <laughs> it does. It does. You're losing points rapidly. It's okay. Though. It's okay. It's a badge of honor. All right. Question number five, best climbing locations, U.S. or Europe?
0: Okay, now I need to kind of think of, because I haven't, if we talk like outdoors, I haven't been outdoors a lot, but I, that is hard. Because both are really good. But since I live in Europe, I'm going to say Europe.
1: (laughs) I knew knew you were going to go that way. (laughs) What is the best outside climbing location in Europe?
0: I mean, just in Switzerland, there's um, a really great area in Ticino. There's just like that whole outdoor section um, and also Magic Wood. They're two really famous areas. I haven't, I've been to Ticino, but I've never been to Magic Wood. So that's also like, I can't really talk much about it because I've never been. But then also not too far, there's Fontainebleau in Paris, um yeah there's also in austria there's really nice outdoor climbing areas i couldn't choose one i need to go outdoors more but i was recently in hueco tanks in texas and that was really fun that was amazing
1: but i still you still go with your best climbing locations in in america that you've heard of
0: um so, yeah, Yosemite. I've been to Hueco Tanks. There's also Red Rocks up, like above um, Las Vegas. Um, that's all I can think of right now, but there's so much more.
1: <laughs> have you ever seen Valley Uprising? No. Oh, Sophia, you have to watch Valley Uprising.
0: Okay, I will write that down so I yeah. don't...
1: It is a documentary... Okay about the evolution of climbing in Yosemite and it okay. is, it is awesome.
0: Yeah. Wow. I will definitely have a look at that then.
1: Okay. Question number six, hand jamming or jug? <laughs> jug.
0: <laughs> I can't understand the, I don't know if my hand's too small or if I just am bad at hand jamming, but I just can't get the concept of it. And so give me a jug. (laughs) I will be sure to hold on to that.
1: And for our our listeners who may not know what a jug is, what is a jug?
0: So a jug is just more or less a really big, good hold where more or less your whole hand can fit into it and is much easier to hold. Um, There's a grip, although hand jamming is just you have like a crack inside the wall and you need to stick your whole hand, sometimes arm (laughs) in and just find a way to jam your hand in there without um, falling out. Like you don't physically, like you don't technically hold onto a hole. It's just finding a way to get your hand stuck. And it's so hard.
1: It sounds uncomfortable.
0: And it hurts a lot. Cause like all your skin, all everything is, a yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There is, there is an offshoot of climbing called off with crack climbing. Have you heard of this Mm -hmm.
0: off with no
1: off with, it's like, it's not, it's like your traditional crack is traditional crack climbing. You have like a a thin crack Mm -hmm. that you are, are able to to climb using your fingers and your hands. Mm -hmm. There are other cracks off with crack climbing where they're, they're larger and people are jamming their, their entire arms, their shoulder and and body.
0: Yeah. 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 That's crazy. That's even more crazy. (laughs)
1: Yeah, another great documentary is called uh, Wide Boys with boys. Yeah. B O Y Z. Really, really yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah. They they have also a YouTube channel. And Who do they? They're crazy sometimes too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number seven eight and a half millimeter or 10 millimeter rope?
0: Eight and a half because it slides better through the gree-gree. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's just, yeah, the gree-gree is like a belaying mechanism. And so, I mean, of course you can have um, the gree-gree one takes a bigger rope than the gree two, but it just slides better through the belaying mechanism, a thinner rope than a thicker rope. And a gree-gree is an auto block. So if you give rope too fast, it's gonna block and then you're gonna to struggle to give the rope through. So the thinner rope is nicer.
1: <laughs> okay. How did I do with my questions? Are those are those <laughs> decent questions to ask?
0: Yeah. It kind of like entails a whole different climbing aspects and um yeah, different climbing scenes.
1: Okay. Now stand by just for a second because I have to take your answers and I have to put them through the John Freaky Pod algorithm and I have to do some math. We're going to stand by. Got to carry the two here. Got to multiply <laughs> by pi and we're going to divide by root five and we're going to make a slight adjustment for the amount of adrenaline flowing through your body uh, when you have massive ex- massive exposure while hand jamming. And I come <laughs> up with a score of sixty two.
0: 62. Okay.
1: That's, that's pretty, uh, that's, that's north of 50.
0: Yeah. Closer to sane than.
1: Yes. Yeah. You're, you're one of the few guests so far that is on the, on the saner side of things. Oh, wow. That score can adjust as we go through the episode here. So
0: (laughs) I might be around four when we end. (laughs) Could
1: be, could be. All right. Hey, before we get too far up the wall, let's back up a little bit and uh, tell us about your background, where you grew up what kinds of sports and hobbies you were involved in as a kid and how did you get involved involved in the climbing cult?
0: Um, So I have, yeah, I, my background is crazy. So stay tuned. (laughs) Um, I was born in Switzerland and that's where I'm currently living now, but my mom's British. So that's why like we speak English at home. So I'm fluent in English and my dad's um, Japanese american russian so i get the japanese like my family name off my dad um and like he speaks russian with his grandparents he unfortunately never spoke russian to me so i don't speak russian unfortunately but um yeah i'm a good do
1: you know, mix do you know all the bad words in russian
0: i know a few <laughs> that's
1: that's what usually works
0: yeah <laughs> it's every time i tell him like if you told me russian i wouldn't have had, needed to only know the bad words <laughs> But um, yeah, I tried to start learning Russian a couple of years ago. Um, and I'm kind of, it's slow, but I'm still kind of in the process of continuing to learn. But yeah, that's kind of my background. But I also moved around a lot, born in Switzerland, um, moved to England, then came back to Switzerland, moved to Singapore, uh, lived in Singapore for a couple of years. And then came back finally to Switzerland and this is where I've been um, since. And then otherwise, like sports and hobbies, my parents were always like, yeah, we'd like you to do like either learn how to play an instrument or do a sport. We don't want you to like just not do anything. So um, I tried electric guitar is the only kind of instrument that I kind of turned to. But then otherwise sports, I was into field hockey, tennis, Um, I did some Taekwondo, um, also did some, um, bow and arrow. What's the archery archery. There we go. (laughs) I had it in French. I was like, what is it in English? Um, yeah, archery and then also climbing and obviously climbing is the sport that kind of stayed, but Yeah, I just kind of like randomly tried climbing one day because where I played tennis, there was like a small climbing wall. And my mom was like, of what she tells me, because I don't remember that moment. She's like, yeah, you just wanted to try it out. So we tried it out. Um, But what I do remember is at that time, I was like six, seven, and the wall seemed huge. And there was this big like overhang. And I was the only one who managed to get past that overhang. And all the parents were like, well done that's so amazing you were so good and I think that kind of like that feeling of making it kind of stayed and then when I moved to Singapore there was this like so much bigger wall like at the school and like I continued there and the coach was just amazing and I think he's the really the one that got me into wanting to continue and get into comps and all of that
1: Sophia, your life could have taken such a turn if yeah. you picked up an electric guitar and riffed a little solo there and people had said, oh my gosh, that is the best solo ever. Instead of being in, yeah. in you know, climbing <laughs> World Cups, representing Swiss, Switzerland, you, you could be in a band right now, just rocking yeah. out.
0: Who knows? Yeah, that could have been totally different path.
1: <laughs> All right. Since since you do have some experience on the electric guitar, what what is the best guitar solo out there?
0: I only really listened to um, Orianti. She was she, she was like an amazing guitarist, and she did this solo with i honestly do not remember his name because it was years 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 ago but i like i remember my dad saying oh look listen to her and she was like female guitarist i was kind of like yeah i'd be so down to be able to play like her and she was like doing this crazy stuff and she also like put out her own album so i'd like listen to her songs all the time and i was like so inspired by her so she's really the only person that kind of like stays right now if i have to like think on the spot <laughs>
1: Wow. Point deduction. You could have mentioned Eddie Van Halen. You could have mentioned uh, Jimi Hendrix. We're going with Ariante. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, But Jimi Hendrix is also, yeah. uh, Amazing.
1: All right. Now with that varied background, how many languages do you speak Sophia?
0: Um, So I speak English and French fluently. Um, My German isn't too bad. Like I can speak German quite well, I'd say, but like some words, And, like, sentences are wrong, obviously, but um, I can understand it much better. And then I'm also trying to learn Russian. So, for now, two main languages, a third, more or less, and a fourth on the way.
1: I have such admiration for folks who can speak more than one language. I'm still trying to master English, by the way.
0: (laughs) I mean, same.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Any brothers or sisters?
0: Yeah, I have a younger brother. Is he also a No, he's into ice hockey because I remember, I mean, he started in ice hockey, like we started in different sports and um, he was like really enjoyed ice hockey, but then started climbing a bit more with me. And then he was kind of like thinking, maybe I'll switch to climbing. And I said, no, stick to your sport, climbing is my sport, (laughs) which now when I think of it, it would have been actually quite cool if I had my younger brother like training with me, like on the Swiss team, that would have been really cool. But at the time, I did not have that vision, unfortunately.
1: I'm always interested to hear about uh, siblings who take different paths and have different hobbies. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing to me. I talk to a lot of thru-hikers. It, it's amazing to me. You know, I'll talk, mm-hmm. be talking to the, to the, the, the thru-hiker out there who's done all the, you know, the long trails in America
0: mm-hmm.
1: and their siblings have, have nothing to do with, with hiking. It's just interesting how that, how that all worked out.
0: Yeah, it's, I find it crazy how, like, some siblings can just be, like, totally different, do totally different sports, and then others who are just, like, practically the same person, and then do the same sport, same path, same, and I find that, yeah, it's really interesting.
1: Did your brother play an instrument?
0: Um, No, but he did try the drums when we were younger, like, <laughs> totally, every time, something different.
1: Could have been the Yokoyamas on tour.
0: Yeah, that would have been crazy. <laughs> of her own band.
1: All right. Hey, Sophia, what do you do to pay the bills? Do you have a, do you have a nine to five job or are you just completely sponsored uh, so that you can focus on climbing?
0: Um, So I'm very lucky that I have like, based on my results, I get in Switzerland, like you, based on results, you get this specific card, um, which is like a national kind of thing. And so depending on the card you get, you can ask for money off like the this institution that was founded based on um, like athletes. And so I'm lucky to have like a certain card that gives me a certain amount of money yearly. But can I can like go from what I get to nothing if my results just. And so this year is quite important because it's my last year of having like the bronze It's you get like gold, silver, bronze, Olympic cards. And it's my last year with the bronze card. And so if I don't get a certain result this year, I don't get that bronze card anymore. So I need to, if that happens, then I need to figure out what I'm going to do. But I don't have a nine to five um, yet. (laughs) Um, But I did finish university only last year. And so I decided to take a couple of years out to really focus on um, climbing and training and comps. And until like financially, the money that I like have put aside and all of that is kind of like going down. That's when I'll more or less think of maybe going towards more sponsors and stuff like that.
1: This whole card system is fascinating. So in my mind, I'm thinking you have a climbing credit card. You know, you I mean an Olympic, it's an Olympic bronze card. How much is on the Olympic bronze card? I mean, can I can so I, it depends you walk into a Starbucks and pull out the Olympic <laughs> bronze card and say, here you give me give me a uh, a grande latte, please.
0: No, so it depends on um I don't know exactly what they base like the stuff up, but like from bronze to gold you can get from like six thousand a year to like thirty thousand a year. So it is like huge amount, the differences. But I think with the bronze, you get between like six to 12. And then I also get help off like the, where I'm living. It's called a canton, which is like a state in the US. And so I also get money off like my canton. And then I also have some sponsors that also give me some money. But yeah, I need to actually, need, I need to figure out a bit my future because <laughs> right now I'm just winging it. <laughs>
1: I didn't mean to cause any anxiety with that question.
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. Just a your... more of a reality check.
1: That's right. Who are your sponsors?
0: Um, so I have Ed Sportive, which is the um, like bronze card thing. And then I have Fond du Sport, which is the Canton. I have Generation Vaux, which is a small institution that helps athletes um, too. And then I also have a chalk sponsor which has wings chalk um, and also Scarpa for shoes, climbing shoes, obviously.
1: Now the first three sounded French. And then you said a chalk sponsor. It's like a, a big uh...
0: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> big <gap>. Wings <laughs> chalk and it's <et> sportive
1: <laughs> Nice. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, going to pay some bills. And when we come back, we're going to get into this whole thing about climbing. We're going to talk about the different types of climbing, Uh, We're going to talk about your trajectory from a youth climber to being on the the national team for for Switzerland. And and here's some some stories. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. hiker owned Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. Yeah, welcome back. We're talking to Sophia Yokoyama. Hey, One of the things we usually do on the podcast is we go by trail names. Um, mm-hmm. You know, There's a, a unique American tradition on the trail of signing trail names based on maybe where you're from or something funny that happened or some kind of weird personality quirk that you might have. And so Doc doesn't appear on my paycheck or on my driver's license. Um, is, is there a similar tradition in climbing? Have you picked up a climbing name? Is that is that a thing or is that not a thing?
0: Um, well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily linked to climbing, but a lot of um, the people in the climbing community just call me Yuku because it's like, yeah, the first, first four letters of my family name. Um, I don't know exactly how we came to that. It was just one day someone was like, one of my teammates shouted, Yeah, go, go, and it kind of like stayed. Um,
1: I know where oh, that's from. It came from the fact that your last name has a lot of syllables.
0: (laughs) It's it's just too long. (laughs) They decided, and and it works well. I really like it. So every time they're shouting, like I I can definitely hear and know who's encouraging me.
1: (laughs) Nice. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about climbing. We we we've had a couple of guests on the podcast before who have been climbers, but your particular level of experience. really has me excited to talk get into some depth on on some of this so let's talk about the different climbing disciplines out there
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: i have written down in my notes five types there might be more than five but the mm-hmm. five that i have i've got aid climbing alpine climbing artificial wall climbing big wall climbing and bouldering can you uh kind of take us through what each one of those is
0: so um aid climbing to be honest I had to look that up (laughs) because I was like I mean from like the word aid it means like help like it's going to help you get up the wall and it's actually devices like usually if you're outdoor climbing or like um bolting a route you can kind of like help yourself get up the wall with like certain mechanisms that exist I don't know the terminology to this sorry but um you're not I I don't know exactly if you're like really climbing, climbing, but you're kind of just like getting up the wall with these mechanisms to help. And I did try it once. Like I, like, um, we were at training once and someone just had a top rope in and they like give us this rope and like, you'd put your foot in it at the bottom and then you'd lift your foot up as high as possible. And then you'd be able to like lift the rope higher and then you'd push on your foot and that would bring you up a bit higher. And like, you'd gradually get higher up on the rope that way. Um, so that's what technically aid climbing is i couldn't go deeper into detail unfortunately you've done, that,
1: you've done that once you didn't enjoy that uh kind of pulling yourself up by your your hands and, and your foot in the rope
0: no i really so it prefer the a lot of fun <laughs> i mean it was fun but i was it was more it was actually really i find it more tiring that than <laughs> than climbing climbing um but so yeah that's kind of how i would explain aid climbing okay um then the rest like Alpine climbing seems very general because outside on uh, mountain walls, you can either do like, I guess, ice climbing because that exists. Um, I would like consider that alpine climbing because it's still outdoors and on a mountain. Um, But obviously with ice, you've got, you need proper like footwear and spikes to get yourself higher up. But it's kind of the same concept. You just kind of like smash your tools into the ice and then clip in as you go. And then that's lead climbing. Bit,
1: that, that's a little bit crazy to me. Ice yeah, climbing. Is, right? Yeah. You're jamming, you're 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 jamming an ice ice axe, right? I mean you're yeah. you're putting that, you're hitting it on the ice. My experience with ice is when you hit it, it breaks. And yeah, so- and so
0: apparently there's so much like theory and like technique behind it because also a video that I saw which was crazy was a dude he smashed his like ice axe into the thing and then water started pouring out and I was like and he was like and he was free soloing so he was like in the comments describing he's like I really need to focus on holding on because all of a sudden like huge ice like broke and water was pouring all over him and he had to wait until it stopped and he was just like holding on hoping he didn't let go and I was like. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, that's a hard pass from me no thank you
0: yeah no thank and it's cold who wants to be in the cold
1: <laughs> that's right but, by, by, uh, its very, by its very nature you have to be in a cold climate to do ice yeah, yeah. ice climate. very
0: yeah. yeah very cold um so that's one side and then just like Lead climbing outdoors in general that I do quite often, which is really fun. And you just go outside, find a route that's like go to a sector that is known. Um, you have the grades and um, you bring your own gear. So you bring your own rope, you bring your own um, quick draws and um, and belay device. And of course, someone to belay you harness all of that. And you just climb up those lead. And as you go up, you clip the rope into what we call the quick draws. And then once you get to the top, you kind of do either now, nowadays, you could just clip the rope in and then come down. But at the, like some order sectors, you needed to do um, a maneuver at the top. So then you could get your rope through the chains to get, to be able to get down.
1: Um, Do any of those folks just carry a parachute and just jump off when they get to the top?
0: So yeah, some people who free solo have a parachute on their back. And so they just jump off and glide down
1: it's a fun way to get off get off the mountain and get back down to, to, to the earth but also I, I imagine that's a safety precaution as well
0: yeah i mean also it, depending because i go outdoor climbing but it's not high like i don't think it's high enough for me to be able to jump off and pull out a parachute like it's like 60 meters max but big wall climbing that you um also wrote down so that's like the same concept but it's multi-pitching So there's two of you and you can like, so free solo is big wall. It's like 300, 400 meters high. And of course there's not a rope that's 300, 400 meters long. (laughs) So you have to like stop at one area, do a maneuver, belay the person who belayed you to get up. And then you guys like just gradually follow each other on the wall and get higher and higher up. Sometimes you can even do overnight. So you have like your huge backpacks and everything with you and you like lay out your bed that's attached to the wall properly. And you just sleep overnight. Um, that's also crazy because I would not sleep if I'm if I know I'm 200 meters off the ground. <laughs> I mean, of course, you're secured and everything. But.
1: Yeah, heck. I've talked to a, I've talked to a couple of big wall climbers and we've talked about portal edges and what that all entails. Yeah. That, that, you're right. That is that is Crazy! Crazy.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I mean, why not try it once? But for now, yeah, I'm sticking to sport climbing.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you do big wall climbing, what what is the the credit limit on your your climbers card? Does that go up?
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, not.
1: <laughs> ah, wow!
0: Such and a shame.
1: We also ran into another uh, bit of climbing terminology. There, you said multi pitch. Tell me what a pitch yeah. is and how long that is.
0: So multi-pitching um, is just, so a pitch is um, a route. So a pitch could be like from 20 to 30 to 40 meters long. And then there's multiple, those multiple pitches in a row. So that's what makes like the 300, 400 meter wall. And there's different grades. So sometimes you can have like um, an easier route and then it gets to a harder route and easier, harder, like it depends. And some are harder than others. Some are longer than others. Um, and it's just basically climbing. Like I do one pitch and then I come back down, but it's just basically multiple routes in a row.
1: So for example, El Capitan in Yosemite, 3000 feet, you know, from bottom to top there, there's, you're not carrying a 3000 foot long rope. Exactly. You you couldn't, you couldn't that that way, way too much.
0: Yeah. And like also after a while, you don't see your climber anymore. So it's like, and there's an, you can't communicate. So that's also dangerous. And so, yeah, multi-pitching is just, you have your maybe a hundred meter, 120 meter rope, and then you just multiple, you just do multiple routes in a row. Got it. Got it. Um, then otherwise artificial wall climbing is kind of um, what, you can do outside. So you've got, you got lead climbing, which is like with the rope that we talked about, um, but art, on an artificial wall. So people that we call root setters screw in certain holds that you just like take. And so it's based by color. Um, and that just kind of, yeah, it's what makes it makes it artificial. And then there's also bouldering that you can do on an artificial wall, which is the same um I mean no it's not the same concept as lead climbing. It's smaller than lead, so it's only 5 meters high and you don't have a rope. So if you fall you're falling on mats. Um and then
1: before we depart from bouldering, your mm-hmm. specialty. You know one yeah. of the things I hear in conjunction with bouldering are is something called boulder problems. What yeah. what what is that all about?
0: So a boulder problem is um, kind of like a pitch in what we just talked about before. So, border problem is going to be if it's outdoors, it's going to be certain holds, a certain um, route that you're going to take. And that's what makes the grade, if it's harder or easier. And same thing inside, you're going to have root setters that are going to screw in certain kinds of holds and they can make it really hard. So, the problem will be maybe like 70 or super easy, which is more of like a warmer border with like bigger holds, um, which will be easier. And you can call it a problem or just a boulder. Um
1: and you gave it a difficulty rating right there of 70. Seven C. Seven C. Okay, I was gonna say there's another scoring system <laughs> for bouldering, because we haven't talked about score about difficulty ratings yeah. yet. Mm-hmm. But I, I know that there is a system, very interesting system of of scoring how challenging a wall might be. And so that 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 scoring system uh, also applies to boulders.
0: Yeah. So there's different, um, scoring systems. Um, I use the French scoring system, which is 7C, and how it works is like the lower the number, the easier it is. And then the letters goes from a B to C and C is the last letter. And then in between those, you've got also a plus if that makes it clear. So
1: Clear as mud, but it's it's a different scoring system than than the climbing scoring system, because it's because I climbing systems go to like fifteen, fifteen. Deep. Well,
0: that's I think that's the American scoring system because uh, we don't, with
1: some kind of different system. We do of that always, yes, always. of course. Of course. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, because I don't use that, and no one here does or at least i don't think they do and i don't know the equivalent but yeah so there's like 514d or 512 510 5 yeah and that is um another way of scoring it and then there's also the v system where you've got like v1 v2 v3 v4 and that's um more like for bouldering um but yeah you could have both systems for Bordering like the French and the V system.
1: Yeah. I use a, a three tier system. It's called easy, hard, and really hard.
0: <laughs> yeah. That may, that simplifies everything so much better.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about the fact that I had no idea that climbing sport climbing was an Olympic sport or that there was such a thing as like the world Cup. club. Club, the World Cup of uh, sport climbing. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, so um, sport climbing got into the Olympics for the first time in the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo, um, and will be in 2024 in Paris. And that was yeah, really interesting to do um, the for the Tokyo Olympics. So in climbing, we have the three disciplines that we talked about: speed, lead, and bouldering. And so for the Olympics, it was um, a combined uh, discipline. So you had to do all three disciplines to be able to go to the Olympics and you'd have one medal. Um, What's changed now for the Paris Olympics is is that there's two medals. So speed is now a separate discipline because it's the discipline that resembles the least to climbing,
1: Mm -hmm. I would say.
0: Um, so speed is a, is its own discipline and bouldering and lead are, um, a combined discipline still.
1: Okay. And speed climbing, that could be individual or team.
0: Um, it's just individual.
1: It's just individual.
0: Yeah. So you can have, um, multiple people representing one country. So there'd be like the Swiss team, the Austrian team, whatever, um, but it's one-on-one like it's only one person can win it's not a team sport but usually you see two people like i don't know if you've seen videos of speed climbing but it's really impressive and you've got two people racing each other and it's just whoever's the fastest
1: so it's it's like uh so
0: it's like sprint but on the wall
1: exactly that's what i was gonna say and you keep advancing based on uh if you win on your time yeah on your in your particular heat
0: yeah, but right. it's only against like, I mean, yeah, it's only against two. And then if you beat the person, then you go into the next round. Rankings. I mean, you've got the qualifications where you um, have two goes to get your best run possible, like the fastest time. And then whoever gets the best run, you have your ranking and then the top 16 go through. And then you've got eight finals and then quarterfinals, semifinals and finals.
1: Now, is this a summer Olympic sport or a winter Olympic sport?
0: um summer olympic
1: summer olympic. I mean, how, how would we make it winter olympic i mean what if what if we i mean that's North if ice?
0: well i guess if ice climbing gets to the olympics that would be more of a winter sport <laughs> but i i th- i think even ice speed climbing exists because i even saw a video of two people racing and ice climbing and that's even crazier but they're belayed but otherwise, climbing in general, like we have World Cups throughout the season, um, and it's usually the season starts in April and ends more or less in September, October. So it's still quite a summery sport.
1: Got it. So I understand the concept of speed climbing and determining a win- winner. How do, you, how do you determine a winner in lead climbing?
0: So lead climbing, um, as we said before, is with a rope. And so in qualifications, you have two uh, lead routes and the idea is to get as high as possible. So you're going to have like um, a point system. So depending on how many holds are on the wall, that's going to give you like the points you get as high as you get. So let's say there's 45 moves in the route to get to the top. If you get to like 38 moves, that will be like your score system. And then, um, depending on your ranking, the top 26, 26, yeah. Top 26, go through to semis. And then it's just based on who can get the highest.
1: Got it. Is there a time component who can get the highest in the shortest amount of time? Or is it that, that it just gets progressively more difficult and you, you get to a point where you, you know, if you're less skilled, you cannot go any higher.
0: So usually they like to have it more as a difficult. So it's, really like who has the best forearm endurance and like who can like take a lot of physical moves in a row for like 50 moves. So that's how they like to base it. But sometimes you're gonna you're gonna have people who fall off at the same area, um, and also people who climb maybe slower or faster than others. So they do have a max time limit, which is six minutes to get to the top, which isn't a lot, but um, I mean, anyway, I can't stay six minutes on a wall, so <laughs> it's largely enough for me. But sometimes, yeah, if two people fall off at the same area, then they look at the time. Um, And otherwise, if two people fall off in the same area in, in finals, then they look at their score in semis.
1: Yeah, people are listening saying six minutes. That's not a long time. You know, people who yeah. are not climbers out there thinking – what's the big deal with six minutes, but it, I guess it's all contextual, right? It's, it's what you're doing during that time period. For example, yeah, I mean, you're bull riding, carrying... bull riding, mm-hmm. it's only eight seconds, right? Yeah. But you yeah. know, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. So I, I can, I can totally see how six minutes can seem like an eternity uh, being on the wall.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're carrying your body weight up on like tiny holes, physical movements and yeah, six minutes is a long time. <laughs>
1: Now, how strong are your fingers?
0: I would say quite
1: strong. <laughs> strong what, do you, what do you do to build up your finger strength?
0: Um, So I really love hangboarding. And hangboarding is when you have um like a certain kind of hold. Like it can be big, it can be small, it can be usually smaller because that's kind of what gets your finger strength. And you just hang off that hold. And you can, as it gets easier, you can add extra weight, um, and then just gradually up that weight. And so at a time where I unfortunately have a finger injury right now, so I have to like really be careful finger strength wise, but at the time where everything was great, I could hang off like a small three centimeter hold, um, with added 52 kilos.
1: Now three. Cent- like a
0: hundred percent of my weight.
1: Three centimeters for our American listeners out there who have to do everything different. That's between that's between one and two inches.
0: Three centimeters. Yeah, I don't even know the conversion.
1: <laughs> I think it's two point two centimeters is an inch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or at
1: least, I'm going to say that with confidence, and you know, if you say it with confidence on the podcast, people believe you.
0: Is that not no? Two point two is pounds to kilos. Ah, oh,
1: see, you're fact checking me.
0: That I know. <laughs> I believe 2.2, there's a difference, like a small difference. Maybe, maybe it's correct, but I do remember that 2.2 is to get from pounds to kilos and 1.6 is miles to kilometers.
1: All right. Since you're you're fact-checking me, I am going to look it up (laughs) right now and we'll come to the definitive. uh, So one inch is 2.54 centimeters. There you go. 2.54 centimeters. Mm. So you said three centimeters, right? Yeah. So my advice to our American listeners that it's between one and three inches is yeah. correct. I it's may have correct. Got, personal, a little bit wrong, but, but my statement <laughs> is still correct.
0: Let's say, yeah, that's okay.
1: correct. <laughs> right. Now, just to, you know, again, I'm looking at your sanity score here. Uh, this, this question is going to help me adjust that a little bit. Do you have, do you have, let's see, what did you, what did you call it? Do you have hang boards in your room of differing widths that you just, you know, you get up in the morning and just do a little hanging?
0: I have like a small climbing room (laughs) in my house. (laughs) So during COVID, it was great because I just go downstairs, climb a bit, do whatever I needed to do. Um, But otherwise, I usually just like go to the gym when I'm training and then do my hangboarding there. You have to warm up properly, unfortunately, before hangboarding. So, But I did wake up sometimes in the morning, and every time I went through my door, had to do like five pull-ups. At one crazy area of my time, <laughs> but I don't do that anymore.
1: Yeah. You're now at 53. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And is there a bit of, I, I, let me think of how to phrase this. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of people who do a lot of planning and preparing, and they go down the rabbit hole and they are obsessed with hiking,
0: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
1: I think, I think through hiking, especially long trail through hiking really lends itself to an obsessive type personality.
0: Same Mm -hmm. with climbing. Yeah. And sometimes it gets really hard to get out of it. Um, I think one thing we don't necessarily realize or want to accept is that rest is like really important. (laughs) Like it's through rest that you get stronger. And when I was younger, like as I, get older now I kind of realize that yeah rest is important that's when like you get stronger and it's but when I was younger I was crazy like I would train 24 7 like I was on a full like I don't even know where all that energy came from I'd get up at like 5 a.m like go for a training session in the morning before school then go to school all day and then in the evening go do my other training session and I would do that practically like every day and now I'm like yeah wake up, chill. I mean, I don't have school anymore, but I would never do that ever again.
1: (laughs) Yes. There's something to be said about moderation.
0: Yeah. And there was a recent discussion I had with one of my coaches because during like the winter training phase, you do a lot. Like you've got a lot of gym sessions, gym sessions, a lot of like strength training, just like a lot of training. And as we were approaching to the comp season like you have to obviously reduce it much more and there was before leaving to Asia for the world cups that I recently went to um, I was talking with my coach I'm like I feel like I'm not doing anything like are you sure that I shouldn't go do a session this afternoon he's like no rest because you want to be in shape and like rested up and full of energy for when you get to the comps I'm like okay but this just I don't like this feeling (laughs) and he's like, trust the process. It's good for you. And yeah, Asia went really well. So you felt guilty. Yeah. Like I'd be in the gym all day or training all day and then get like, leave early, come back late. And here I was like getting up late, doing a three hour session, then coming home. And I'd be like, what do I do now? Do I just sit down and chill?
1: (laughs) Goes against your grain. So we, we talked a little bit about speed climbing and how that's based on speed, obviously. We talked about lead climbing and how that's that's based on difficulty. What about bouldering? We didn't talk about that. How do they score bouldering? Is it a combination of both?
0: No. So bouldering is completely different too. Bouldering, as I said, is a shorter um, wall than lead. It's only like five meters max. And if you fall, you fall on mats. So you, you're not belayed. You don't have a rope or anything. And for comps, um, you have, for qualifications, five boulder problems that we talked about before. And the and you have a max limit on each one. So you have five minutes for each boulder and you have um, five-minute rest between each boulder. So you do one boulder problem for five minutes, go back, rest five minutes, go on to the second one for five minutes, go back, rest five minutes. And the goal is to manage to make as many of the problems as possible in the least amount of attempts. That's one thing I didn't say before. Lead climbing, you only have one attempt. So if you fall, you're off the wall. Bouldering, since you have five minutes, you can give as many attempts as you like in those five minutes. Um, If you get to the top, great. Then you go back earlier. You have more rest. If you don't, you have um, a zone hold, which counts kind of as like, Half a point, more or less, um, and then you just go back and wait for the next one. I hope that made made sense because it was a lot of information.
1: Total sense. Yes, got it, got it. Thank you. And you said that bouldering is your specialty. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're you're a is it called? Are you a boulderer?
0: Yeah, you okay. say boulderer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy bouldering because I mean, I really do enjoy lead climbing, but to get endurance it's just a lot of boring training. Like you're, you're just on the wall for like six minutes straight doing, yeah. Fighting for your life. Bouldering. I feel like the, yeah, the training is more fun, more, you don't need to suffer as much.
1: (laughs) Now, boulderer, that's, that's a lot of syllables as well. I think we should, we should truly try and start it, start a trend of, you know, referring to you as Yoko, the Bobo. What do you think?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would actually go really well with the concept of shortening right. things.
1: <laughs> Maybe on your next YouTube video, you can try that out. Let me know how it goes.
0: Yoko the Bobo. Let me know what you think. <laughs> okay.
1: Very good. Let's talk about your trajectory. And we we heard about your your first climbing experience and the praise you got. How did that evolve from that moment to being a member of the Swiss team?
0: Um. So yeah, in Singapore, I really like enjoyed climbing and that's where I started comps the coach was really like yeah you should try comps it's really fun and it went really well considering I only climbed like once to twice a week so um I got quite more or less good results and then when I came back to Switzerland my mom was like okay do you want to continue and I was like yeah why not I really enjoyed climbing in Singapore it could be really fun here and so I joined like a team and got into climbing a bit more and then tried comps in Switzerland and got my butt kicked. Like I did my first Swiss comp and I was like 15th out of 16. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. I need to.
1: <laughs> different, different level to Swiss climbing versus Singapore climbing.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I was like, okay, um, this is interesting. I'm going to get to training, and for some reason, I'm happy it motivated me instead of discouraged me. And I feel like also the coaches that I had around me back in the day were like, "Look, you you've progressed so much since arriving in the team. Um, this is your first comp. You you didn't know what to expect. Now you know what to expect. There's stuff that we like can work on together and get stronger together. And so they really also like got encouraged me and tell me told me like this isn't the end." Um, you have to go through a bad phase to get stronger, you know? And so that kind of like kicked the motivation and I just like continued training, continued having fun and slowly my results got better and better and better. And then once you hit like a certain consistency in your results, the Swiss team comes to you and you're like, okay, you have what it takes to be on the Swiss team. And yeah, I've been on the Swiss team since.
1: Okay. There is something to be said about the importance of doing difficult things. I think if we, if we're confronted by just easy stuff, all of our lives, uh, we don't, we don't develop. I think yeah. just as, 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 that example you gave about running into difficulty and that being a motivator and, you know, kind of putting your nose to the grindstone and achieving something better than if you'd just been, you know, if it had all been Singapore climbing, you, you wouldn't be where mm-hmm. you are right now.
0: No, definitely. And yeah, I feel like going through like difficult paths is kind of what like builds your character and who you are. And yeah, I feel like also, yeah, going through parts of your life where you really need to like fight for it and give everything also just makes it so much more rewarding when you get out of that situation. So um and I feel like that's why I always just like want to go back to training and to get better, because it's just like when you see the progress. And the results that follow, you're like, this is this is what I love. This is what I'm training for. This is what I want. And it just, yeah, it's a boost of motivation.
1: Now, how big is the Swiss team? Do they have it broken up by gender, by age groups? What does that look
0: yeah, like? Yeah, so um, Switzerland's quite small. We only have 7 million, 8 million <laughs> people. So the Swiss team in general is quite small, but you have the adult category, which I'm in, which is, like, above 21. Um, And there's only male-female categories. And then for the youth, which is under 21, you've got under 21s, under 20s, under 18s, under 16s, under 14s, under 12, under 10. And I think comps international comps start at under 12 or 14, under 14 probably. Something like
1: that. And how big is the adult female Swiss team? How many members?
0: Eight? No. Yeah, maybe like eight, ten around there, because there's both there's a bouldering team and the lead team. And so we're only four in the bouldering team. Five, five. and maybe five at lead
1: you're one of five yeah on the bouldering team for the swiss yeah yeah that's impressive
0: yeah but swiss is not that big like our national comps (laughs) but yeah i mean it's good and my results like internationally are good so that's what's most important
1: (laughs) don't don't sell yourself short there sophia
0: yeah, got to be proud of what I've accomplished. <laughs>
1: yeah, and and speaking of what you've accomplished, let's talk about the World Cups. You just went through World Cups. How'd that go?
0: Yeah, so the season started in Japan um, two three weeks ago now, and um, that first comp went really went really well for me. I did my best result internationally in World Cups. Um, I finished twelfth and very close to finals. Um, so I'm really happy with how that progress worked and. Um, these comps were really decisive for the rest of my season because depending on how it goed, on how it went, um, that would I like, have.
1: I like I like how it goed. That that's how a,
0: it goed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my English also just kind of like goes everywhere. <laughs> but um, yeah, depending on how it went, um, that would have been decisive for me to continue the season or not, and then participate in the World Championships in August at home. So luckily it went well. And so I can do the rest of the season um, and no need to stress for anything else. Korea, unfortunately, the second world cup didn't go as well, just like small mistakes here and there. Um, But like physically I felt really good and I felt like present, like it's possible. My objectives are reachable.
1: Now, how is it that you're, you're one of five on the adult female bouldering team and you only have a bronze card? Who do I, who do I need to talk to about that?
0: <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately the, um, cards are based on your international results. So depending on your international results, that's how your card changes. Got it. But yeah, I mean, try, go for it. I'd be down to have a gold card.
1: <laughs> We're all looking for the gold card. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now, how old are you right now, Sophia?
0: I'm 24, turning 25 in August.
1: Okay. And did you compete in the 2021 Olympics?
0: No, unfortunately not. I did try to um, qualify, but back in the day, I mean, my results weren't bad, but just weren't enough for the Olympics, considering they only take 20. I don't know. I don't think I said that. There's 20 max per um, gender, so 20 male, 20 female, and – um yeah. I unfortunately didn't make it now. I would focus on the Paris, Olymp- Paris Olympics, but I really want to get the results I want in bouldering. So I'm more or less focusing on one discipline. Um, We'll see how the rest of the season goes and maybe I can open up to a second discipline.
1: Okay. And what are you thinking? How's it looking for the 2024 Olympics?
0: Um, Well, bouldering is going quite well at the moment. So yeah, um, that I'm happy with on that side could definitely go. But since I have not been training lead or my endurance, and since I'm not on the lead Swiss team, I'd need to do selections. I need to like earn my spot, which like, I mean, of course you always have to do, but um, it's just additional training, which could potentially um, reduce like my progress in bouldering, which I don't want right now.
1: Got it. Keep making progress yeah all right
0: but who knows maybe
1: okay what's the next big adventure for Sophia? yeah i know you have world championships in august you said and that's going to take place yeah. in switzerland
0: yes so i would say that is the big um biggest thing coming up this year are the world championships in august in bern um in switzerland and so all of the training, all of the focus really is fully on that. And um, I'm definitely super excited for that to happen. But at the same time, it's like a bit more stressful because you really want to do well at that comp because it's at home. It's the crowd, you know, like like my friends are going to come watch me for the first time ever. My family is also going to be there. Like it's going to be full on fun. But at the same time, you're like, I want to really do well. So yeah, I got to the rest of the season is going to be really important for me to just like gain confidence and hope that I can recreate what I did in Japan.
1: Fantastic. All right. Hey, Sophia, you know where we are right now?
0: Um, heading up to the next segment. Hiking hacks.
1: That's right. Except it's not hiking hacks this time. It is climbing hacks. So we're at that point of the episode where Sophia is going to share some climbing wisdom with our listeners to make their next climb even better. So what do you have for us, Sophia?
0: Um, I There's so many, like, especially what I really enjoy with climbing is like the social side. Like just if you're a bit nervous to try climbing out, yes, it might be hard, but I feel like people don't realize there's like many different grades and um people are very friendly so just like try out go climb and that you progress the most when climbing. Like of course it's important to maybe add some other stuff but really if you just like climb and focus on trying hard and all of that, that's really how um you can progress at its finest and also meet amazing other people. Like I've made so many friends in climbing all over the world. And so Who knows? It could bring you to so many different places, especially if you go climbing outdoors.
1: Nice. So there you have it. We are just about done here. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Yoko the Bobo. And I want to thank (laughs) her for joining us this week. Sophia, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures?
0: Um, So I'm mostly active on Instagram. Um, You can definitely find me on Instagram under Sophie Yokoyama, I might change it to Yoko the Bobo, <laughs> um, and otherwise on YouTube, but may, mainly Instagram to keep up to date to the um, climbing info. Got it.
1: Now, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. No TikTok yet?
0: Uh, not yet. Not yet. I okay. mean, I do have a TikTok account, but there's not many climbing videos. <laughs> Just random stuff.
1: <laughs> random stuff. Okay. Also, if you have comments or clips that you want to share with me, you can do that at uh, johnfreakymir at gmail.com. Off the beaten path. Now, unfortunately, we can't always be on the trail. And when we're not, we need to find a way to get our adventure fixed. Sophia, I'm going to ask you to share some outdoor adventure media with our listeners to help them get by. This could be a book, a movie, documentary. We call this segment Off the Beaten Path. What do you have for us?
0: So we talked about this already before, but definitely Free Solo and The Dawn Wall. Those are two amazing films um, with Alex Alex Honnold and Tommy Colwell And um, yeah, love them both.
1: Yeah, those are both epic uh, movies, documentaries to watch. I mean, I, I, you know the outcome of Free Solo because you've seen Alex in in interviews after that yeah still when he is climbing when he's doing what he's doing at the end there you I mean, I was watching through my fingers I couldn't I couldn't hardly bear to
0: watch no but that, that's yeah that's the hardest thing I mean I'm happy I knew like you you know the outcome you knew he was still alive because he's still on active on social media everywhere but it's just that stress you feel you're like you know he's alive but oh my gosh what is he doing and yeah I loved it <laughs> it was really good
1: Make sure to check those out.
0: But otherwise, there's also a really fun podcast that um
1: I try to get to the next segment. You go, I cut you off. Go ahead, tell tell us about, about the podcast.
0: Um the Careless Talk um, Careless Talk Climbing podcast that um two people, one ex GB team climber who now is outdoor outdoors a lot and then also another outdoor climber and they also talk about like climbing in general and their podcast is on spotify i think yeah on spotify and it's also a bit like the projects that they have outdoors and all of that which is fun
1: got it got it let's try that again
0: what have we not asked you
1: and before we wrap things up just one more segment for you called what have i not asked you that you're dying to tell us about what do we miss
0: Honestly, I try to think so hard about that question. I was like, what have we missed? And I just, I can never think of something. So I think for now we've talked about the whole thing.
1: (laughs) Talked about the whole thing. Okay. All right. We are finished. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Sophia. We wish you the very best in your future adventures, including... world championships in august and we hope you'll consider coming back at some point to share some more epic stories as we close up today do you have any shout outs to friends and family Sophia?
0: hi mom and dad (laughs) um otherwise that's it (laughs) but thank you it was a pleasure to be on the podcast with you
1: thank you so much thank you for tuning in always remember the trail is the trail it doesn't care if you want to go downhill It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you spent the whole day hand jamming with scary amount of exposure below you. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.
0: Yeah, we love it.